All right, we ready? Yep. Hi, this is Kegger, and we are at... <laughs> you shouldn't have let me do this. Welcome to Writing the Nerds. I am Kegger with... Uh, the ginger here, Cody. And today's episode, we are going to have kind of a pros and cons of Star Wars, the prequel series, versus Star Wars, the sequel series. We're not going to touch the Holy Trinity, because no. they are the Holy Trinity, and there's no reason to touch them. It's just the ones before and the ones after that everybody seems to have opinions about. Yep. So, uh, where would you like to begin? I'm going to go ahead and just go out on a limb here that as a Star Wars super fan, I have loved everything Star Wars. I like the new sequel movies. As I have. I've I grew watched, up with it. I have watched that god-awful fucking Christmas special. <laughs> that special is terrible. I have watched the droids movies. Like, I've watched everything. I actually don't know if I've seen the droids, Star Wars droids. And by the end of the sequel series, I was literally looking back and going like, God, I missed the prequels. Like, there was... <laughs> I, it, I felt stupid because I remember sitting there years ago just thinking, well, I'm not really a fan of these. But it also felt overwhelmingly authentically Star Wars, but that's because George Lucas was at the helm. There was no right, way it right. couldn't. It's kind of like how I feel like the prequel series is kind of how I feel like people thought of the first Star Trek movie. Mm. The first Star Trek movie is awful. Yep. But it was Star Trek. It was the first new Star Trek in years. So people were just all over it. And then you get the second one, which was the best one. But I kind of feel like that with the prequels. We were so hungry for Star Wars, and they had just released, was it's 20th anniversary? Yeah. The, where they had uh, the extra stuff. He kept adding extra stuff and adding extra stuff. Yep. Um, and some of it was good, and some of it was worthless. Uh, yeah. I mean... It was just basically we got a bunch of cityscape yeah. and, and creatures that was just added that stuff we didn't need. Right. Um, whereas, and that they were so, the prequels were just mm, mm. something just about them. I mean, the prequels did do good stuff. Like it gave us Darth Maul, which is still by far my favorite Sith. Mm. Um, and I'll probably catch flack for that because of Vader, but. I see Vader more as a Jedi. Vader made the last-minute conversion back to the light side, so right. Maul never did. Which, actually, I'm glad you know you mentioned Vader. We'll get to that later. But he is his legacy is one of my biggest problems with the sequels. Kind of. Uh, like, but we'll, we'll get to that one a little later. Yeah. But, like, I, you know, you're, you're right about the prequels. I, I will say this. They are, there's something grating about them. They're poorly acted. Oh, That's God. more George Lucas's fault because everybody knows you. What's his name? Christensen, Hayden Christensen. Oh my uh, God! I wish somebody beat him in the face of the show. Whenever he doesn't talk, he's great. <laughs> True. In those, in those True. movies, like when he is executing everyone on Mustafar. Yeah, that was pretty like pure, pure rage. rage. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, I mean, they do call Revenge of the Sith the good one. Yeah. I mean, uh, it really was. It was the best one. I did see uh, my second favorite Sith get beheaded in that one, which was Dooku. I loved yeah. Count Dooku. Um, he was a great character. 
Um, and also one of the best smart asses in that trilogy. Yes, yes, he really Episode was. Episode two, whenever he's just like, "Oh, this is terrible. They're treating you awfully. I'll have you released at once." And right. Obi- and Obi Wan just says that, man. Fuck you. Like, right. Just, just quit playing with me. Shut up. You know, Dooku. I know you're behind all this. Uh, but I love Count Dooku, even in the uh, the Clone Wars, and that was. The prequels gave us the Clone Wars, and the Clone yeah. Wars was amazing series. I will agree with that. I and still haven't seen the new season, the final season of that. I haven't either. But uh, it's on my to-do list. Um, and I'm leaving those out for the sake of just discussing the movies. All right. Because I, I feel like the prequels stand on their own in certain ways, in that you get to see the Old Republic. Well, I guess not the Old Old Republic, like, you know. The Republic pre-Empire, Yes, and you get to see the problems inherent within the Republic that made a galactic empire's rise that much more palpable. Like, it just seemed like it fit. And you got to see Palpatine maneuvering behind the scenes, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Ian McDermott and Ewan McGregor are the two shining spots of that entire trilogy. Okay, I'm going to put in a caveat. Mace Windu. Okay, fair enough. I'll give you that one. I loved Mace Windu. He's the only one to have a mono, uh, what is it? A monogrammed lightsaber hilt, and it, on it it says "Bad Motherfucker." Yeah. <laughs> it says he's the only one that got personalized. Yeah, and not only that, he's the only one who doesn't have a blue, green, or red lightsaber. All because he didn't want. All because he just asked Lucas, "Can I have a purple one?" And he yeah. went, "Okay." Yeah, why not? And then. Uh, I'm trying to think here, but the world building, it like everything seemed to fit really well. And I also understood, like, I know a lot of people rag on Anakin's characterization, but <laughs> I kind of, I kind of understood it when I looked at it in a different way is because by the end of that series, I don't, he wasn't even 20, was he? Might've been, his I early, don't know. See, okay. he might've so been like, in his early twenties. How old is he in the, in, in Phantom Menace? Is uh, he what, like eight? Yeah. Okay, so and he's eight. Ten years, I think. So that's has. eighteen. Okay, so he's in. How many 20s. years after Clone Wars is Revenge of the Sith? I don't know. Actually. Is it another ten or is it five? It three? Could be. I tell I you think the truth, that's. I think that's Luke. Look up a I'm I'm hazy on can. the I'm hazy on the timeline of that. But Anakin's entire storyline, if you look at it in the prequels, is trauma based. Yeah. I can see that. So to me, his actions make a little more sense in that because he's known nothing but having everything that he was used to taken away from him. And in that respect, whenever he finally has something he wants to hold on to, that's when he starts to get his heartstrings pulled in the wrong direction. And it makes a lot more sense that way. Um, So I get that. Um, and I know if anybody listens to this and hears me say that Anakin was eight, I'm probably going to get my head chewed off for that. But was he eight or ten? Like it was very three years. So yeah. it's three years after Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith. Okay. See, yeah. So he's like 21 then. Yeah. So he's so still a puppy, basically. Yeah. Basically, he has a shitload of trauma-based teenage angst. You know, in the first, sorry, tween and teenage angst in the first two. Well, Kevin Smith said something. It was like uh, people kept complaining to Kevin Smith about it. And he was like, oh, they just turned Anakin into a whiny, bratty teenager. And he was like, yeah, because that's what Darth Vader would be, a whiny, bratty teenager. Exactly. And I was just like, I could see that. Like he went evil because he wasn't getting his way. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And then when he finally gets put in the armor, 
he has no choice but to be this symbol of fear and just pure fucking rage because everything in his life that's led him to this point has been nothing but misery. And it's even more misery to be trapped on a respirator, you know, like oh, to be yeah. trapped in that suit that keeps him alive because... And I'm sure there was a quite a bit amount of pain yeah, being in the suit. Because his mentor uh, cut off one of his arms and two of his legs and left him to burn. Right. You know, like your only friend. Like, I, I gotta say, he's... He's a little right to be pissed off, even if a lot of it's his own fault. You know, I mean, he get Obi Wan told him he had the high ground, and he didn't listen. I mean, I'd have had to have done the same thing. He was trying to kill me. Mm. Uh, I didn't kill him. Which, admittedly, that's also one of my least favorite lines in the series. Not the high of the high ground. It's what followed afterward with Hayden you underestimate Chris. my power. It wasn't even that. It was the whiniest ass delivery. Oh, I know. You underestimate my power. I'm like, why don't I just leave it alone? I actually saw that as a meme the other day for Borderlands. Oh, really? Three, yeah. Uh, uh, and it was it was him. It's like going into a place where you're way out, le- you're, you're under-leveled. You underestimate my power. And then at the end, it was like right after that, it's him laying there. I hate you! <laughs> <laughs> so we get into the other stuff with the prequels is that you get to see the demise of the Republic because of how ineffective the government is. Kind of like it's but today. also being manipulated by Palpatine, who always has this little smug smirk on his face every time something goes his way. Right. It's like, you just watch the rest of the series, uh, you know, where he's just smiling the whole way through, and you're like, yeah, he's got it. Right. Like, you know how it's going to end anyway, but he does... He gets everything he wants more expertly than anybody in Game of Thrones ever did. Right. He kind of um, did play. I mean, he played them like a fiddle. Yeah. Uh, and not only that, executed the demise of the Jedi near flawlessly. Yeah. I mean, Order 66 was devastating. I mean, the masterstroke of that also showed the galaxy how fallible the Jedi were because of their arrogance and their other failings. It's like the prequel series was all about how much the old Republic sucked to actually give way. Even the line in the third movie of this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause. I'm like, that sums up the whole series. Pretty much. And then you have the failure of the Jedi at every point. Oh yeah. They just did not catch a break. Uh, and my biggest problem with the prequel series is here are the Jedi, very force sensitive, very in tune with the force. Mm-hmm. How did they not see Palpatine coming? Yeah, I know. I mean, they had to go have meetings with him. They had to be in the same room with him. How did they not sense through the force what he was? That was one of my biggest problems with the prequels. It yeah. was just like, he's right there. He's in front of you. Get him. So. I will say this, the prequels were very poorly written because a lot of that was not communicated well. Yeah, and you had Lucas with all his yes-men. Yeah, so my point was, I I read way too far into the prequels, like, initially when I watched them. I tried to hit it from every angle that I could and try and see what he was trying to come across, mm-hmm. even if it was executed poorly, and it made me appreciate them a shitload more for that, which I could understand why people hate them. They weren't. By any means, you know, it's not high art, but Star Wars never has been. Right. They never really. I mean, it's famously documented that Alec Guinness hated Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Hated Star Wars. I absolutely 
that story of that kid who said, I've seen Star Wars 100 times when he asked him for an autograph and Alec Guinness goes, I'll give you my autograph if you promise to never, never watch, watch it again. again right? <laughs> I mean, and then, of course, you what a, a lot of people speculate mm-hmm. about the original, the Holy Trinity, was that you had a lot of people telling Lucas no. Yeah. Whereas with the prequel... Well, a lot of them were just like, oh, yes, sir, Mr. Lucas. Let's see, do that. That sounds good. The political bent of the prequels was actually very heavily present in his original draft from episode four, from what I understand. Hmm. It was, you know, talking a lot about imperial politics, essentially, yeah. and the reasons for the rebellion. Like, he was interested in how the rebellion came about and not so much the fact that they were fighting one. right. Like it, but he, you know, the Fox, since they were bankrolling, it was like, we have to have some kind of action points in this. This is sci-fi. Blow right, some yeah. shit up. I do hear that, that, like, the original cut of four was awful. And that it was oh, the imagine. brilliance of the editor that made that movie great. And I don't know if that's true or not. It's just something I've heard. Um, and I'm, I'm, as big of a Star Wars fan as you are, I've got a lightsaber poorly tattooed on my finger, but uh, needs a touch up. But I mean, I've grew up with Star Wars. It was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Uh, I especially, and this is probably going to make people mad, but when I was a kid, my favorite one was Jedi. I loved Return of the Jedi. Well, the space battle is epic. Oh yeah, space battle. Plus, plus, you know, I'm a little kid. Space bears. There's right. a bunch of space bears. Oh, exactly. oh, that's cool. I want one. I mean, yeah, because we came around, you know, we're children of the 80s, so we were... I was born three years after episode six came out. Yeah. So I was born in, uh, I think six came out in 81. I was born in 84. So, I mean, really, the first Star Wars movie I ever saw was on HBO. It was Empire Strikes Back. Oh, nice. That was the first one I ever saw, and I f- absolutely fell in love with it. I'm and pretty sure my dad just kind of... This is Star Wars, son. This is important. Yeah. <laughs> my dad was a big fan. My, ba- my dad had the books. See, I remember reading the books when I was a kid. My parents never were huge Star Wars fans. Like, I developed my nerd them all on my own, much to what I'm sure is the disappointment of my father. But it was, uh, yeah, like, I, did, I played sports and stuff, but then on the weekends, it's like, all right, I'm going to go watch some Star Wars yeah, and I'm catch up go, on some track. Or, I'm going to go watch Star Wars and, and play Star Wars and... I mean, to this day, I still want a lightsaber. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't have a proper lightsaber. I've built two lightsaber handles. Three, technically. One of them's not exactly done. It needs painted and put together. But I've built out of PVC pipe. Mm-hmm. I found plans online and tweaked them to my own oh, cool. ends and stuff like that. I was a huge Star Wars fan. So, I mean, when the prequels came out, it's new Star Wars. Right. I was excited. I, I And I'm not going to lie. I think I saw The Phantom Menace six or seven times in the theater. Oh, yeah. Darth Maul was so great. Oh, yeah. He's that, great. That lightsaber fight was great. And it was funny because I saw a comparison that somebody did of, like, they killed off main characters in the sequels better. I'm like, yeah, but if you're, like, because they compared it to Qui-Gon Jinn in episode one. I'm like, he was only in one movie. Right. Han Solo we had for three movies already before he got to, you know, gutted by his son, basically. And Harrison Ford famously wanted Han Solo dead long time ago like yeah. he would have killed him off in, in Empire if he had the choice pretty much and the fact that we didn't get him killed off until uh, Force Awakens is is kind of a 
you know, shows how much everybody loved Han Solo. Yeah, it's like the stakes were always higher for those characters in the sequels because they were around longer. You knew Obi-Wan wasn't going to die until you know, later, you know, four. four. And you knew Yoda wasn't. Until six. But there's also a bunch of nameless Jedi that get killed in episode three, but you don't give a shit because it's not like they were in the rest of it. And I'm going to say this because they were all nameless in three. Huh. But thanks to the Clone Wars, oh yeah, they're all very. They all ended up getting depth and yeah. character, and it was exactly. really good. Like uh, Kit Fisto. Um, uh, see, that one pissed me off because I liked him. Kit Fisto. It was uh, that part in uh, Episode Two when he just pushes C three PO's battle droid over, and then yeah. he just gets that big ass smile. I'm like, oh yeah, you guys are probably on the brink of death you're getting surrounded by thousands of droids and you still have the time to just smile like nothing's it's happening kinda, that kind of goes with the arrogance of the Jedi like you were talking about yeah um, but then you had uh, and I'm blanking on all of their names right now uh, oh, they were girls <laughs> oh like Adi Gala and um, I'm trying to think of the one that was like the same race as Ahsoka uh, and then the Clone Wars brought in Ahsoka Tano, which she is, is she's so awesome. Um, I would love to see her done live action style. Yeah. Um, but I've got to see how, well, I did like how they, uh, it's, we're getting off topic, but yeah. I did like how they Rebels, mm. Star Wars Rebels, kind of played off of everything that happened. And then they brought Ahsoka in. Mm. Um, but I knew that, I kind of knew where that was going because we only got a couple Jedi as of, you know, four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where are these two? Well, it answers it in the final season. Yeah. They, they're not with us anymore. So. <laughs> so, I I guess, I mean, that's really the prequels in a nutshell to me was George Lucas finally got the Star Wars he wanted while giving us the characters we knew. The character arcs were good. We knew how they had to end. They weren't written well. No. No. Like, I mean, let's just put it this way. I can't hear the word sand without getting slightly pissed off. Right. It gets everywhere. <laughs> it's messy. It gets everywhere. Like, shut the fuck up. You sound like everybody's mother after a beach day. Right. Like, like don't, don't wear your shoes in. The sand's messy. It gets everywhere. That was one of the things that really aggravated me about Attack of the Clones was that just that whole romance seemed so forced. Oh, it, it was. was. Just, there was no chemistry between the two of them. Well, and then it's just like at the end of it, she's like, I've died a little bit every day since I've been back with you. I love you. And I'm like, where did that come from? Uh, you've, you've done nothing but hate on him the whole movie. And cold right. shoulder, you're not interested. Like, that's what you really felt through the whole movie. And then out of nowhere, she's like, I'm in love with you. <laughs> Since when? Oh, it just, it, that was one of the things that really drove me nuts. Uh, although uh, there is a line that he says when he's talking to her and they're on, uh, they're on uh, Naboo. Hmm. Uh, he's talking about how he's, his feelings for her. And he's like, I can't breathe. It's a pretty good line. Like, I, I will give him that. That was a good line. And he delivered it pretty well, especially yeah. for as horrible of an actor as he is. Uh, um, but, I mean, you get a thousand words to say, you're going to get a couple of them right. Right. Uh, Blind squirrel finds a nut. So right, you know, broken clocks right twice a day. <laughs> so, uh, but the prequels, I will watch them. 
I, it's not like I, I avoid them. I don't watch them as much as I watch, say, four, five, and six, seven, eight, seven. Hmm. <laughs> Can't really watch nine yet, but right. I do tend to skip over eight. I um, see it. Yeah, that's another point. Of, I loved eight. And I, I will I will say this. Eight, if it were not a episode, if it hmm. wasn't episode eight, it would be a great standalone Star Wars. Yeah. You just sub out some of the characters. Don't give them any of the normal ones. Mm. It would have been a great Star Wars movie. Mm. And it's not bad. I remember I watched it uh, before I watched Nine, uh, before my dad and I went and saw Nine in the theaters. Mm. I watched all of them in order. Well, in chronological order. Um, And it really isn't as bad as people make it out to be, but I just see eight as a missed opportunity. Like, it really just missed the chance to do so much better and so much more. I guess that was... I felt like it did do more. It had a shitload more ambition than anything J.J. Abrams did. Don't, you know, mm. don't get me wrong. I love him. I At first, when I watched The Force Awakens, I wasn't sure if he actually directed it because there wasn't a whole lot of lens flares in it. <laughs> I don't know. There was a couple lens flares. And I was there, just like, if there that were necessary. <laughs> there, I mean, there were like there was a few times where I'm like, JJ did that. Oh yeah, but absolutely. Um, I mean, I guess we just jump into the sequels now. Yeah, sure, why not? The what was it? The New Hope Awakens, or sorry, The, the Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Seven Seven brought the series back. Four point seven, whatever. You, like, right? Yeah. yeah. Four point seven. I understand why they did it that way. Because you had to introduce a new generation while getting the old generations that grew up with it to come along. Yeah, you had to have some fan service. Um, One of my biggest gripes with Seven was basically they just rehashed the the Death Star run. Yeah, see, they could have actually tried to go in a different direction. And in fact, if they would have just introduced the Star Destroyers with planet-killing capabilities like they did in Nine... Spoilers... Uh, right. Now, that, this will be full of spoilers, by the way, so yeah. if you haven't seen Nine yet. So, I mean, they could have done that and had it be just as good. But then, unfortunately, it's like, I don't know if you just feel like you can't have Star Wars without a MacGuffin. Uh, yeah, I was kind of thinking that, too. But the, there was a lot of fan service. You started out on, it wasn't Tatooine, it was Jakku. Yeah. But it was a barren desert wasteland planet. Right. You know, I did like how in the prequels... We got Tatooine, but briefly. Mm. We didn't really revisit Tatooine much. Like, And when they did, it was briefly. You know, just long enough for Anakin to have his tantrum and kill all the, the yeah. sand people. And then, uh, you know, but you didn't keep going back to it. Mm. But the fact that, you know, we started out again on a desert planet was definitely a fan service. It was to feel familiar while at the same time being different. So... Here's my problem with episode seven, and it has everything to do with the usual style that J.J. Abrams goes with. And if you found yourself feeling disappointed at the end of Lost, then you know exactly where I'm going with this. Was it was he was Abrams Lost? Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. I thought he did Alias. He did do Alias as well. He did Lost too. Uh huh. I never watched Lost. So. Yeah. Well, he loves the concept of a mystery box. Which means he has to set up a shitload of questions, not all of which really matter, truthfully. Yeah. I mean, anybody who watched Lost clearly 
a lot of those questions did not have real satisfying answers. I, the show was good. Some of them had satisfying answers, but others were like, the fuck? Like, you know, like, yeah. okay. Uh, I gotta but, remember, I can't just nod my head. Yeah. You know, I've actually got to say something where I'm so podcast. So, the thing about it is, J.J. knew he was only doing one movie. Yeah, originally he was only doing one movie. Right. He knew that at the time. And I take it, you know, because Colin Trevorrow had a finished script for nine. Ryan Johnson, they, I mean, J.J. said he talked with Ryan and Colin about the direction. Mm -hmm. Everything was headed. And they still came up with what they did. Okay. I can settle that. If you believe that explanation, that means that nine was cobbled together completely at the last second. Oh, yeah, I believe that, absolutely. Okay. But I feel like all the decisions that came after that was because he had to set up those fucking mysteries. Like, really, was Snoke ever going to be that important? See, that I heard, you know, Snoke was never important. No. I've heard that, you know, he was never going to be important because even if he did become important, we would just have another emperor. Exactly. Which, in nine, spoilers... Uh, Emperor Palpatine is there. And it's like, well, we just have the Emperor now. Um, So Snoke was never important, which I think was a disservice to Andy Serkis. Oh, extremely. At least have him be a villain throughout that movie. Andy Serkis is easily one of, like, he was amazing. He was a really good Snoke. If they would have just left Snoke in and had him be another Emperor, that would have been just fine. Because... You don't have to have a Palpatine to have a bad guy. No. Just like you don't have to have a Skywalker to have a hero. I was actually kind of hoping we'd get a new Sith all the way around. I kind of wanted to see Luke face off against Snoke, honestly. Eh, like I was I, okay with the way... Well, I, we'll get into eight here in a minute. Yeah. But... Uh, but... Um, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, like, we didn't have to have that. But we didn't have to have all the mysteries set up because if you'll notice, no one gave a shit about who, you know, like we had an idea of who Luke's dad was in episode four. Like, hey, his name was Anakin Skywalker. Cool. Right. Okay, we find out episode five, he's Darth Vader, which comes around right at the end. No one gave a shit before that. They're just like, this guy's a badass. I want to see him kill more stuff. Like he was a good character anyway, but then it gave that extra layer. You didn't have to have the tease to get people in the seats for Star Wars. All you had to really do is have Star Wars. And see, you're, I want to bring up things that I loved about The Force Awakens. Mm. Um, we got Finn. Yes. I loved Finn. See, the characters were great. Oh, yeah. Finn was great. Finn, and you should kind of get that feeling, and I think this is an Abrams thing that you were talking about, Finn's Force-sensitive. Yes. I think that's the whole reason he went against his programming. Yep. Um until nine, where you find out where there's a bunch of bunch of them that went against their programming, but you know he seems to know where Ray is. Uh, does use the lightsaber and actually uses the lightsaber, not very well, mind you, but he yeah. gets to use the lightsaber. Um, I was really hoping at some point during the new trilogy we'd get to see Jedi Finn, mm. or at least you know I don't want to say Padawan Finn, <laughs> but you know you know. Right. Just Apprentice Finn. Um, we didn't get that. Hmm. Um, Poe Dameron. Great, great. Uh, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, new Han, basically. 
Yeah. He's not as scoundrelly. He's not as dirty until no. you find out at the very in, the, in nine. Yeah. You get some of his backstory, but he's not the scoundrel that Han is. But he's still kind of got that swagger to him. Uh, and Poe was great. I loved Poe Dameron. Yeah, I will, um, I will agree. The characters were, they were awesome. Ray, um, I can never remember the thing, the little chick mm-hmm. that they go to visit. Where's my boyfriend? And she's talking about Chewbacca. What was her name? Mas Kanata. Yeah, oh yes, Mas Kanata. Yeah. Kanata. Is it Kanata? Yeah. Yeah. She was great. She was like kind of the, the Yoda replacement, you know? Um, I loved her, but we really didn't get to see much more out of her. Mm. Um, I think she only had like a mild cameo in eight. Mm. And then she didn't really, I mean, she was in nine a little bit more. Yeah. But I was really kind of hoping to see a little bit because you kind of got the feeling that she was force sensitive. Oh, definitely. Um, And why did she have Luke's lightsaber? That never got answered. How did she find Luke's lightsaber? That never got answered. She said it was a story for another day, but yeah. we never got that story. But see, she was a janitor on Cloud City. Right. <laughs> yeah. She was on Bespin, and they, you know, she had to clean out the tubes and found it. Yeah, just kicked the hand away. and yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, I don't know if you read any of the books, but there was a great book series by Timothy Zahn. Yeah. The... Uh, was the, heir to the empire? Yes, it was uh, Thrawn, right? The Thrawn trilogy. Yes, the Thrawn trilogy, and uh, I was so glad that Rebels brought Thrawn in. Oh, me too. I um, have that book trilogy. Yeah. Oh God, it was so good. I was so happy to see Grand Admiral Thrawn done proper. Yeah, um, and I'll keep hoping that we'll see him live action somehow. But at the end of that book series, Mara Jade. This we we get we meet Mara Jade in that series, yep. which I was kind of hoping we'd see. Because uh, even uh, Mark Hamill was joking and threw out some like tweets that Luke Skywalker didn't die a virgin. Yeah. Um, yep. So I was hoping we'd really get to see Amara Jade, uh, but we didn't. But we get introduced to Amara Jade, and she was programmed by the Emperor to kill Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Well, Luke's they used Luke's hand to clone him, and she kills the clone, which is evil, and it kind of takes that compulsion away. Yeah. And then you find out that they end up falling in love, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, which none of that matters because now that's the Legend series. and, and Even <laughs> though the sequels borrowed heavily from. Oh, yeah. The, oh. Yeah. They totally did. I mean, even the uh, like the Rebels borrowed heavily from the Legends or whatever, quote unquote. Um, and I thought that was the greatest thing about, that was one of the things I loved the most about Seven was that. It completely shit on all of the books that George Lucas mandated be connected and be con- uh, yeah. know, canonical, and it just shit all over all of them. And my, I have, I have friends that are bigger Star Wars fans than you and I put together. Oh, yeah. Who have read like my friend John, who sent me the text earlier, huh. had every single book ever written for Star Wars and had read them at least twice. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, he's so mad that when uh, Disney bought that, bought up Star Wars, he was so mad that they just trashed all of that history and all of those stories. And I just thought it was hilarious because I did read some, several of those books. I mean, it, I guess there's another gripe I have, too, is like the First Order just being a shameless ripoff of the Empire, which makes more sense by the end of the sequel series. But, I mean... 
it could have been outside invaders. Like, it, there's just there's nothing about the setup of the First Order versus the New Republic that makes sense to me. See, in the in the books, and this was one of the because I like I said, I didn't hmm. read all of them. Yeah, I read some here and there. I read the the Heir to the Empire trilogy. Um, there was a book actually before those called uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye that happens between episode four and five. Mm. And you kind of, when you read it, you kind of get the feeling before you find out that Leia is Luke's sister, that they are brother and sister. Yeah. Um, and it came out before six, I think. Mm. Um, and that was when George Lucas was like, you can write books, but they have to tie. And you can't do this, this, and this. And so that's when you started. Um, but there was a series... And I can't remember what the overall series of the books were, but it did deal with an outside galactic threat. Yeah. The Yazin Vong. Exactly. That's where I was going. Like, it could have easily been. They had no force. The force did not penetrate. Like, they, they weren't in the force because they were from another galaxy. Yeah. So the force had nothing to do with them. So they had to pretty much redo everything to figure out how to beat these guys. And in that series, we lost Chewbacca. Yep. Um, and at that point, we'd had three solo kids. We had Jaina, Jason, the twins. Yeah. And then you had Anakin. Right. Uh, Anakin dies in that series. Yeah, and um, Jason doesn't go to the dark side till later, right? That is the, the new Jedi something or other. Yeah. I think the new Jedi Order, that's when he goes dark. He dies. Yeah. Um, Mara Jade dies. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a kid of Luke Skywalker who has been Skywalker. Right. Which was, I felt was like when they said that Kylo Ren was Ben, I felt that was kind of a slap in the face. Yeah. Like that was one of the things that bothered me the most about the sequels was that Kylo Ren was Ben, was Ben Solo. Yeah. And I was just like, they, I mean, Han and Leia, Leia didn't even see Ben. No. Until he died. I mean, she watched him die. And then Han didn't really care for the old man. It was Luke that was close to him. Right. And, like, why would Han and Leia name their son Ben? That just kind of bothered me. Um, I would have rather have seen, like, an Anakin. That would have made sense. Solo or uh, Jason Solo, and you then, know? And then his bold impersonation of Darth Vader would have been a lot more. <laughs> right? So I will say this. I, I will not rag on Kylo Ren at all because I oh, loved him. I did love Kylo Ren. Uh, he kind of was the best of both worlds. He was kind of Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker. He, he was, was whiny. It was he that was bratty, pissed off teenager who uh -huh. just destroyed shit, and then and he wanted to be like his grandpa, <laughs> and clearly like his grandfather didn't know how to play the politics. No, because Hux constantly like Hux and him in the first movie to me kind of felt like a Grand Moff Tarkin Vader situation, except if Grand Moff Tarkin was a petty dick. Yeah, Hux. Yeah. I, I hated General <clears throat> Hux in Episode 7 and in Episode 8, and then kind of had a feeling what they were going to do with him in 9. Yeah. Like, I did, was not surprised at all with what they did with him in 9. Yeah. Um, and But it did kind of take the sting away when, I mean, and spoilers, if you haven't seen 9, Hux gets killed mm. um, by his own people um, because he's a traitor. He's the spy. Yeah. 
Like, and here goes back to that petty dick thing, too. His reason for being a spy is the worst one I've ever oh, heard. But it was so great. You see, you say it was the worst, but I loved it because he oh, no. hated him so much. Just for pure, like, character motivation. Like, because to me, what didn't make sense was like, I don't care if the Resistance wins just so long as Kylo Ren loses. I'm like, yeah, but if the Resistance wins, you still die. <laughs> right. I mean, he was going to die anyway. Yeah. I'm like, that. But it's, it's funny because. When you first see Hux, and I don't know what you, what went through your mind, but when I saw him, I went, hey, look, it's Bill Weasley. Or Charlie. <laughs> I can't remember if it was Bill or Charlie. But yeah. hey, look, it's Bill Weasley. And, and he's a dick. Oh, my God, Bill Weasley's an absolute asshole, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, the rivalry, because, I mean, before Snoke gets offed, Hux is definitely a player. Yeah. And then after Hux gets off, or uh, Snoke gets offed, yeah. Hux is nothing. He loses everything, basically. Oh, yeah. And I I mean, I enjoyed that because he's even trying to, like, still swing his dick around a little bit at the end a of the day. Whenever, you know, he's just like, that's enough. Like, he's the only one who's like, they're probably figured out a way to get out. Right. You're a dipshit. Let's <laughs> right. move. Yeah. Like, he has that moment of just, it, there's still that pure fuck you Kylo energy. In the oh, room. yeah. Like, you can tell he absolutely, and especially in the first two in seven and eight, you can tell how much he hates Kylo Ren. Oh, because yeah. Kylo Ren is a whiny, bratty child. Yep. Um, and Hux is a guy where, if you read the backstory and everything to him, like had his own father killed so that way he could climb high. Right. Like he was playing the game. So, he wanted the power, and then Kylo just just straight stole it from him, so, and then threw him down a flight of stairs. So, I mean, I loved watching Kylo bounce him around the walls like a pinball um, just because I hated Hux so much. So, since we gave a pretty good rundown of the characters, here's where it starts to go downhill for me. Is I loved the characters and the way they were set up in 7. But after that, no one knew what to do with Finn. No one knew what to do with Poe. I felt that with 8. Yeah. It's just they kind of just threw Finn and Poe to the wind. Poe's leadership clash in eight, even when he was ignoring orders from Leia, I'm like, I get you're an idealist and that you see red, you like to charge in. This right. your whole character arc is apparently gonna be learning how to be a leader, but I still feel like he wasn't that stupid. Like, he, they made him out to be a lot dumber with the way they made him act in 8 and 9 than what he actually was. Like, his, his piloting is incredible. I don't know. But, See, I think in 7, he did great. And in 8, and I'm, you know, you know this, I think Rain Johnson dropped the ball. Hmm. Did a good movie, but dropped the ball. He had a chance to world build. He had a chance to do so much, yeah. and he was too worried about evolving the series to, to world build. And I think that's why nine happened. And like that's why I say it earlier when you could just if you took eight out, mm. pulled nine back, made it eight, mm. and then we would have a whole new nine. I think it would work better. Yeah, and I, I mean I loved what they did with Luke. Uh, yeah, see, the, the Luke... Grumpy, crunk, cranky Luke. Well, the Luke arc was perfect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can, I can remember people are like, Luke wouldn't do that. I'm like, yeah, he would. 
Especially like, if he failed his his nephew. Yeah, I mean, like his whole thing was dramatic. Like, not only did he fail his nephew, he tried almost tried to kill his nephew. He lost, well, most of his students, some of which might have become the. I think he said he had a dozen students, and yeah. Kylo took off with half of them. Yeah, and a few of them became the Knights of Ren. Knights of standing around. Yeah, right. The Knights of standing around. Yeah, the we don't even have lightsabers. But that I'm still that gonna... that aggravated me so bad because there were. See, I wanted to see the Knights of Ren in eight. Yeah, I was really hoping we would, especially after Kylo took over. Well, I was is, thinking you would think that Kylo would take over and immediately pull his people in. Yeah, part of me was sitting there thinking the whole time too of like when they got introduced in seven and then never made an appearance until nine. I'm sitting there thinking, well, they're obviously not that important anyway. Mm. Fuck it, you know. Like it yeah. was like Phasma; they didn't know what to do with her either. Yeah, they kind of. She kind of had an anti. However, death. she was Boba Fett. Boba Fett was Kinda. fucking worthless in the original trilogy. Like, yeah, I'm, he really was. I mean, think about it. He gets beat by a blind dude. Like, greatest bounty hunter in my ass. He, he gets beat by a blind dude on accident. Yeah. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Where? Whack. And he's done. <laughs> That's all you needed. But the thing is, like, he carried himself like Clint Eastwood. He looked badass. I mean, he I was. think we've got a better Mandalorian with the Mandalorian. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, he's easily. so much better. Easily. I mean, even John Favreau's Mandalorian was better than Boba Fett. <laughs> and so, my friend, that the super fan, he's going to be so pissed when he hears me say that. I, you know what? That's fine. Because I love Boba Fett, too. But I still have to realize that his characterization was helped so much more by everything that came around the movies and not the movies. True. Yeah. I mean, my dad always hated Boba Fett. He hated Jango Fett, too. Which was another character. We kind of we kind of missed him. Jango Fett, which yeah. was... He was kind of pointless. He was. Uh, I think he was just there kind of as a MacGuffin to be like, oh, this is what we used for the clones. Yeah. Um, I got to admit, even his death was anticlimactic. Where he's just like, I'm just going to keep shooting at the guy who can block these laser bolts because my jetpack doesn't work. And I'm just right. going to stand still. Oh, shit. He's getting closer. No, nah, I got this. Head like, rolls. Yeah. My dad said that was his favorite part of Attack of the Clones is watching Django Fett's head roll. <laughs> he hated Django. There was a part of me that when Boba picks up his dad's head and like leans up against the I was wanting the head to fall out. Exactly. That's what I wanted too. <laughs> I wanted to see the head fall out. Just because I thought it would be hilarious. Flop down on that Geonosis sand pit just right there. Right. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? We're, are we so, still in seven or have we moved on to eight? We're kind of starting to transition a little bit. Transition into eight. It was kind of, I thought the characters, they just didn't know what to do anymore after seven. And I think that's a lot of Rain Johnson's fault. Like, he wrote that script, and he was just like, uh, world build or do my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, which, I mean, granted, there is a little bit of world building, or at least evolution of the ideas behind what the Force can do, and I appreciate that. I did. I will say this. Actually, if you read the extended stuff, then it's really not that big an evolution. Right. Like it, yeah, but... I'll say this. Leia's Mary Poppins float from outer space, that was awful. I like that the looked bad. behind it. It just, but it just, she didn't, you couldn't move. You couldn't yeah. have her move. And I know, I know that Carrie Fisher wasn't spring chicken. You know, she's not a young one. Yeah. But still, you could have at least CGI'd some movement out oh. of her to move around stuff and not just, you know, spoonful of sugar. Here we go. Yeah. I cut. <laughs> I like the explanation he gave was that 
she was trying to pull an object so big that it just pulled her instead because she had no grounding or mm-hmm. something like that. Well, to yeah, me, space. Yeah, to me that kind of made sense, but the fact she was out in that vacuum of space for more than a few seconds was bad enough. Yeah. I mean, even with force powers, I, I don't see that last. You last. It's that We'll get to that in a minute. So, but the how Palpatine survived. Um, but oh, yeah. that that bothered me. The great things about about it, uh, eight, um, and I can't think of Benicio del Toro's character. Oh, DJ. Was it DJ? Yeah. I just loved how scummy he was. He was the anti Han Solo. Oh yeah. He was everything Han Solo was, but the bad one, mm. but in a bad way. See, he was out for himself. You know, saw an opportunity to get away scot free, and he took it. The thing that I don't feel like eight wrote anybody into a corner. Because you could still build off of it. You yeah, can still see, see where people can go. I mean, Kylo going, yeah, your parents were filthy junk traders that are dead, buried somewhere on Jakku. I mean, his. I agree with Ryan Johnson's explanation of that was the hardest thing for her to hear at the time because it was something she'd always feared. He was playing off of her fears to get her closer to him. Yeah. It was that moment where he was going to try and just hit her at her weakest point, the thing that she always wanted, was looking for. Yeah, the thing she always wanted looking for and found out, like, no one cares about you. I do. Yeah. You know. I can kind of see that. The whole <clears throat> weird romance the f- between <clears throat> Ray and Ben. And I'm going to go ahead and call him Ben. Yeah. He, he ended up having his... His arc, you know, where he had the redemption arc and all that. So I'm going to go ahead and call him Ben. Yeah. Um, even though he's way cooler as Kylo Ren. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, the whole, what do they call it? The dalliance in the force? Dyad. The dyad in yeah. the force. Uh, that was weird. But that was uncharted territory. Well, kind of. Okay, so they call it something different. But did you ever play Knights of the Old Republic? I actually have not. Uh, it was a Revan Bastila situation. There was a force link between the two that... Was that the other bad one? Yeah. Uh, Re- Darth Revan, who you play as, as your main character. And I know you find out at the end that you're yeah, Revan. Right. So, but him and Bastila, Bastila saved his life, and when she did, she set up a force connection with him to okay. where they could even share memories and visions back and forth between each other. Huh. So the concept wasn't entirely new. They went in a slightly different direction with it. Okay. Um, I yeah. So there there's some precedent there. Okay. Yeah. See, I, that was the first I'd ever heard of it. Like even reading some of the books and stuff. And I didn't like with the Yaz and Vong books. Mm-hmm. I only got so far in. I think that series is like thirty books long. It's pretty long. It is a huge series, and I think I got like six into it. And was just like I can't do it anymore. But um, so. They're set up with that. I'm like, I kind of appreciate that because Ryan Johnson also went a little bit of like, oh, no more extended universe, Disney? Yeah, but you go fuck yourself. I'm going to include a lot of it in here. <laughs> who was the, in eight, the one that took over who was just an absolute Holdo. bitch? I hated her. Yep. I just wanted to watch her head explode the whole mm-hmm. movie. And I know she was one of the resistance, and I know she was supposed to be a good guy, and here's this authoritarian. I just wanted to see her head I hated her. Um, the greatest thing she did 
was that scene, and a lot of people hated it. I thought it was cool as fuck. Oh, the light the, speed ramp? The light speed ramp. Yeah. That was the coolest scene in the whole movie. It was an interesting idea. And people idea. hated it. It was a really interesting idea. And I know they're just like, well, why wouldn't they just do that all the time? I'm like, because... You would that's destroy a, your ship. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's nobody a, survives. That's a Mon Calamari cruise. You're not going to waste one of those things every time you just want to take out, you like... Know, that was a kamikaze move. Yeah, not to mention, like, there was no way she was going to escape. She is the last bit of fuel they had. She knows they can track them through light speed. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to turn this fucker around and track light speed through this. Right. You know. I thought that was the best thing she could have done. I loved watching her die... But in the coolest way possible. Yeah. Like, it was so cool. And, like, even with the sound, where the sound cuts out just yeah. for a second, then you hear this reverberation, just doom. And I got to admit, uh, what was it? Ryan Johnson did show some interesting X-Wing maneuvers in space. Mm -hmm. That but, was something that was missing from 8. There wasn't a lot of space battles. Yeah. Uh, one thing missing from 8, too, and this will forever piss me off, Y-Wings. Yeah, they didn't have a single Y-Wing, did the they? The bombing run in the beginning? Yeah. Where the fuck? What were those, B-Wings? I didn't know. That, that's going to show some nerd right there. Yeah, it's not. the B-Wing. People don't even know that's, that's not the B. Yeah, I said that's not the B-Wing. You only see those in Return of the Jedi, actually. I think it's the only time they ever really? show up. Huh. Maybe. See, I know you get the Y-Wings or the A-Wings. Uh, yeah, the A-Wings. Yeah, the A-Wing has the epic Super Star Destroyer takedown in Return of the Jedi. Yep. Right in the uh, bridge. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot of... And I got to thinking about it. There wasn't a lot of space... Well, yeah. In yeah I mean, Empire. I was thinking about Empire. Yeah, Empire didn't have a whole lot. You know, you had the... Where they hid in the asteroid that wasn't an asteroid. However... Well, Shut up, Meg. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, the only thing they had was that. But then you get... Here's a comparison between eight and five. Well, obviously, there's a lot you yeah. can make. I mean, eight and five each had their Hoth. Yeah, they did. Yeah, just one was on a salt planet, which yeah. was actually pretty cool. I did Whatever. like how the red and, and all that, that was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, and when you see Luke stepping on it, he's not making any footprints. Like, Yeah, so and I, I loved, I did love that whole scene mm -hmm. in eight. Um, Luke facing off against Kylo Ren. Everything about Luke in that moment was playing on Kylo Ren's memory of Luke. Luke didn't look like that. I'm, yeah. And I was one of the first things I said was like, did he yeah. cut his hair? What's going on? Got some just for men dyes. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, did he get younger? What the hell's going on? And then you you realize what's going on. He's projecting himself. And you're like, oh, wow, this oh, is yeah. actually pretty cool. And not only that, he's just <laughs> doing one epic mind fuck. To Kylo. They open fire on Luke, and Luke just dusts his shoulder off. And I was just like, oh, that is awesome. That was the greatest scene. Yeah, living up to exactly what he said at the beginning of the movie, too. He's like, what, do you want me to stand in front of the First Order with a laser sword? And, right, and yeah. it's exactly what he did, sort of. And Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so his moment, his characterization was done perfectly. I know a lot of people are like, Luke wouldn't do that. I'm like, mm. he would. I think he would. Because Yoda did it. Well, but Yoda did it for different reasons. Like, Yoda kind of. went and folded himself more into the Force, whereas yeah, Luke so, cut himself completely off. But there was still that sense of trying to hide because he knew people would be hunting for him. Well, even Yoda said in, in uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, exile, I must go. Yeah. Um, so 
He he kind of followed the Yoda example. Which at the end of eight, Yoda shows up and kind of smacks some sense into it. Right, you know, failure's the greatest teacher. Like, okay, let's do it then. You let's. know, even like even though Luke had cut himself off from the force when that <laughs> tree catches fire, he's trying to go get those books. Oh yeah. And Yoda's like, the books don't matter, dude. Um, I loved that they brought in Puppet Yoda. Yes. Because that was totally a, a Jim Henson, and Frank Oz puppet. Um, he looked right. It just felt right. Um, I loved that Yoda is the one that had to come and smack some sense into Luke, just like he did in yeah. Empire. And the one thing that I absolutely loved about Luke in that movie, in 8, was the fact that he showed, he was proof that the Jedi's struggle to resist the temptation of the dark side never ends. It's that that moment when he almost killed Kylo, mm-hmm. you know, or sorry, Ben, back in the day, um, watched everything collapse around him, and at that same moment that he lost everything, realizing that the hubris of the Jedi will almost always inevitably lead to failure if you don't have the right pieces in place. Right. And he, you know, I, I have a feeling that the Jedi and the Republic kept each other in check. A I fair did, amount. Yeah, it really did. I did love when he finally relents to teach Ray. Yep. He's like, reach out. She reaches out. He yeah. takes the little grass and he's like, you feel it? I, I feel it. You feel it? And he smacks her hand <laughs> with the grass. I mean... It was so great. There was definitely, he is definitely a teacher at that point. You can see it in him. But, you know, when he tells her, when they really get into it, it almost gives you chills to listen to him talk about it. You know, feel, reach out, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like the whole thing. And I think that was part of the trailer. It was just his voiceover talking to Ray. We don't really know that in the trailer. But, you know, everything is the force. And uh, that was just so awesome. And in between his lessons of, like, reach out, feel it, he's like, here's lesson number two of why the Jedi need to end. Right, And then yeah. he just, he spends his portion of the movie rehashing the prequels, basically. Like, Kinda, yeah. this is why the Jedi suck. We need to do better. You know, like, there's that, the Jedi failed so fucking hard and early. they did, too. Which, by the way, the timeline in Star Wars, with as advanced as they are and everything... How does Han Solo in episode four being like, yeah, Jedi are bullshit like that. (laughs) And then even at that, it's only 20 years or whatever between the end of the original War of the Empire and episode seven. And everyone's just like, Luke Skywalker, that guy's just a legend. Like, well, you know, Leia exists, right? Like, you know, Han Solo exists. You can see him. Leia's fighting in the resistance. She was part of the Senate. Like, and Luke Skywalker's. Her brother. Yeah, so, like, that's the only guy that doesn't exist in this whole thing? How, how easily do you guys forget written record in 20 years? I did, I did love this. And, and we don't know probably, what the Empire did. It's probably because they took all of his statues down. But, yeah, I mean, it, we don't know what the Empire... You know, Palpatine cleansed the Jedi... Uh, yeah, the, I mean the galaxy of the Jedi. He could um, he could have he could have legitimately erased all records of the Jedi. I will say that, mm-hmm. but there would still be people around who would remember it, right? Like there's that. Yeah, I don't know. Have you seen Solo? Solo gets shit on a lot, and I, I like Solo. I actually like Solo. As Solo well. was great. Um, I think it was. I, I don't know what it was that. Oh, I know what it was. They released Solo. At the same time as Infinity War. 
Yeah, that was a bad idea. And there was another blockbuster that was out. It was doomed to fail. <sighs> they should have done it like they did all the other ones in the winter. You know, don't release it for Christmas, but do it a couple weeks before, like they did with the mm. other Star Wars movies. Make it a fall thing. Make it a winter thing. But no, they had to drop it and try to compete against Avengers. Yeah. And Avengers is the number one thing right now. Right. So... I mean, that's why Solo failed, but I loved Solo, especially the twist at the end. Yeah. Like, it's Darth Maul. Oh, my God. But still, throughout that whole movie, you don't see a Jedi. Yep. There's not a single Jedi until Darth Maul shows up, and but Han doesn't see that. No. That's just uh, hotness. Uh, Amelia Clark. <laughs> um, you know, she it's just her that sees him and talks to him. So... Uh, I still, I, I really hope they do more with that because that was fun. I mean, even the end of that movie actually fit his character pretty well when he just gives up the coaxium. Yeah. To the to the rebellion, basically, and then just stares like he doesn't give it away because he's all of a sudden altruistic. He gave it away because he just lost everything he was after. Right. Like he was just crushed at the end. He was never gonna win, and it kind of fits with his character arc of like every time you see him in the movies, he's fucking up. Right, he kind of is. You know, we, we meet him in uh, in four. He's basically he's not running from Jabba yet, but he's about to. He's yeah. about to cut tail and run. Exactly. Um, and even the whole reason he's doing that is because the Empire showed up while he was making a run, and he dropped his cargo and took off. Yep. Um, <laughs> he is always running from something. Um, and then he runs headlong into the rebellion, which is where he does his good. Um, so yeah, like the, I don't know. the characterizations for the old characters in the new movies were it was good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, I don't. They really did the the original Trinity. Uh, I don't justice. I don't think you could screw that up. And Luke, you know, like I that's what I thought was funny about eight was. I remember watching it. I'm like, God, he is calling back to the prequels way too much. Like in certain. See, aspects. now I'm gonna have to watch eight with that in mind because I've never thought that. I um, maybe even, if I watch eight, I'll have see, with that in mind. I'll have a better the Canto, appreciation for it. The Canto bite sequence that a lot of people hate when they basically get into the more political aspect of the Star Wars universe at that yeah, point the, of the, the rich classism over and stuff. the classism, the war profiteering. I always felt that that was a nod back to Lucas's original vision and the politics that you see in the prequels. It was kind of his way of going, all right, here's a little bit of what came before. Like, a, it's kind of a special nod to George. Did it need to be in it? Yeah. I mean, maybe not as long as it was. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. I mean, they, like, they I really thought that they could have rose mm. to this day, even at the end of nine. Doesn't matter. Uh, I hate that she caught all the flack. The woman caught all the flack. You know, I you know, the, I the, really the, liked her as an addition, but then in nine, they didn't do shit with her. And like, it was kind of like what they did with Finn and Poe in eight. Yeah, because they didn't do anything with her. But I, she was kind of an irrelevant character to me. Of course, I mean they they added her in for some diversity and all that, but she really it was kind of pointless. Um, in fact, if you could have dropped all of the Canto Bite stuff, the movie would have been perfect. Well, not perfect, but it would have been better, I think. Because uh, there was a lot of stuff that happened that didn't need to happen. Like yeah. I felt like they just wrote those parts in 
just to do something with Finn. Because mm. um, that, that was the weird part. Was all the Luke Skywalker and Rey stuff was spot on. Yeah, it really was. And even hit like Luke getting his poetic end of everything coming full circle with watching the twin suns rise was yeah that was good that's a pretty class that's a pretty good scene that that's was an iconic scene really classy and and he goes with the force and all that after being cut off for 20 years and him showing the struggle of not only being the last jedi in existence but that constant pull toward the dark side because he knows it's there even when Ray immediately goes for that dark pit in one of her visions or whatever, he's like, God, you went straight for it. What the hell? You right, know, like yeah. the, but he knows it's there too. But he, he went straight for it. Yeah. He, has, he went straight for it on Dagobah. Yeah. He has to resist the pool. Like uh, the, that pool will always be there. And mm-hmm. I really love that they called attention to that. Like no Jedi is well, ever. I mean, temptation is everywhere. Oh yeah. And There's no, always going to be the temptation. And no Jedi is perfect. Exactly. And not only that, that was Luke's whole message to Rey. And truthfully, it might have been the best message that any Jedi teacher ever gave because not even Yoda was like, by the way, we fucked up real bad a few right, years ago. Right, like you don't even know that. And I love the yeah. the, uh, the robot chicken Star Wars stuff yeah. where he had uh, Seth MacFarlane as the Emperor <laughs> go for Papa Palpatine. I threw the whole si- the Senate at him. The whole Senate! Um, I loved all of that stuff, but... Yeah, I mean, there is a pull. I mean, you're tempted. Like, mm. the Jedi are, aren't priests. Well, yeah. I'm glad they're not because there'd be a lot of problems. And but, that was one thing they drove over in a nine that worked out really well was Ray's turmoil. Her hatred for Kylo Ren was so palpable yeah. at certain points that she even stabs him whenever he's, like, given up the fight. Oh, yeah. Like, it, she quite literally has those moments where well i mean when leia and again spoilers if you haven't seen nine uh wait to listen to this if you're going to listen to this uh leia dies and both her and kylo feel it and she takes that opportunity to stab him yeah (laughs) like your mom's dead bam right in the chest i mean gut chest whatever she got him but she got him and she got him good I mean, oh, yeah. that's how she won, was she kind of used his mother dying to, to beat him. Which, by the way, that my first thought is, I, I know you watch Dragon Ball Z abridged. Mm-hmm. The guru thing, we're just like, the summon the dragon. would be a dick no. movie to die right now. Just like, hey, what was it? You know, my son and Ray are fighting. Be a real dick move to go down right now. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> One of Leia's last acts was kind of, although that was a weird explanation they gave, where she just sits under a shroud the rest of the movie, just like she's waiting until Kylo dies, and then she'll die too, fully, because that's when she finally disappears. Yeah, I do remember that. That yeah. was weird. Okay. But, I mean, I did like that they kind of brought, and I was amazed on how much footage they had before she died. Oh, yeah. Because she was in two-thirds of that movie. And I know that, like, when her back is to us and Ray's talking to her, that's a stand-in. Yeah. I know that for a fact. But, holy crap, I was not expecting her to be no. that heavily of a character 
it, throughout the two-thirds of that movie. It wasn't as jarring as I thought it would be, but you know they had a much bigger part planned for her than what she Well, got. yeah, I mean, if she, from what I understand, that The Last Jedi wasn't supposed to be Luke. It was supposed to be Leia. Yeah. And I did like that, you know, Luke's gone. How do I train? Well, I'm a Jedi. I'll train you. Yeah. Uh, I did like how they called back to Leia being a Jedi. I did like that we got to see some of Leia's training. Um, And the girl, the one they used to stand in to CGI Leia, Hmm. that was actually her daughter. Oh, was Her daughter played that part, and then they Ah. CGI'd old Leia over her. Um, I thought that was cool. Uh not gonna lie, Doug Leia's lightsaber. Yeah, actually, that was Doug cool. it. That was pretty cool. Uh, the gold and the the rose gold was really kind of definitely a prince fitting of a princess. So, I guess we need uh, since we're jumping into nine. Might as well. I I'm gonna go ahead and just throw the elephant in the room out here. Is just Palpatine. As much as I love Ian McDermott. Yeah, I, I was kind of, that was about the only reason I was happy was that, look, here's Ian McDermott. I mean, I kind of feel like they set up the fact that he can basically come back anytime, though. Kind of, yeah. Because, I mean, when it's just like, you're dead, and he just goes, I did die, yet I'm here. Weird. I'm right. like, you know, I'm like, so he openly admits, he's like, especially later in line, he's like, so, or as I fell, so too shall you fall. Okay. So he admits the fall happened. Mm-hmm. So we're good there. Like, we're not some revisionist history kind of shit going on. Like, you know, they're not retconning that as hard as they're retconning a lot of The Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, and then, did he blow up? I would assume so. He, okay. I mean, if he so, was on the, like, it, if he fell. Because he's clearly and he's going missing. towards the core. Yeah, he's clearly the core is what blew up. body parts. Yeah, his fingers are missing. Yeah, um, he, he's very corpsey. Yeah, very, very zombified. So we his have... eyes are glassy and white. Um, yeah, and he's essentially hooked up to, you know, like I always said, like some Chuck E. Cheese crane game. Kind of, yeah. yeah the like, weird halo thing around him, like the gyroscopes. You remember those old gyroscope rides where you yeah. kind of stand in it and spin you around? Pretty it's kind of what it reminded me of. So he and and then he admits like all the Sith live in me. I'm like, so you potentially blew up, possibly regenerated yourself. I don't know how. Right, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So even when, and spoiler alert, he kills himself with his own lightning because he's a, <laughs> he's a he. Okay, the Emperor is great. He's a one trick pony. Yes, he is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Even when he had a lightsaber and fought, he didn't win. Yeah. I mean, he was bested by Mace. If it hadn't been for Anakin cutting I mean, his hands off, hell, he was even—he was gonna die. He was really even bested by Yoda in the lightsaber fight. Too. Oh yeah, it was just when they started using Force powers is when it got a little dicey. Yeah, it was oddly enough, he was stronger in the Force than Yoda at that moment. Yeah. So, okay, so we have that. All the Sith live in him. So does that mean since they didn't find a vessel for him, that he could technically come back again? I don't know. Uh, unless, you know, unless the only way to kill a Sith is to deep fry him with their own lightning. We I thought that that's what happened last time. Because, I mean, I don't know if you remember seeing him getting thrown in six. I saw a skeleton, you know, the classic electrified, you know, ah, and then there's a skeleton. Yeah. Uh, they did it with him and Vader, I think. I need yeah, to go back they, and watch those. There's a little bit, yeah, that flash so, there. 
uh, I don't know. Like, it was so weird because they don't ever really explain how. Yeah, there's just that the dark side houses some abilities some would call unnatural. I'm like, okay, so episode three, we're back here again. Plagueis, yeah, you know, Darth, kind of a callback to Darth Plagueis. Good line, good line usage, but seriously, well, how the fuck did you come back? Right, like, like the thing, like, my dad and I went and saw it, and kind of Star Wars has always been kind of my me and my dad's thing. We, hmm. we go to do the Star Wars stuff. Um, they're in the temple, the Sith temple. All right, and you see all the people. Yeah, the, in the they're all dark, and you just see eyes and all that. My dad was under the assumption that those were people, whereas I was under the assumption that those were like phantoms. Oh, like we still don't really know which is which, but you see them, and you just kind of get the sense that they were Sith. Mm. Um, and then. It, it just kind of weird because I never read any of the Darth Bane stuff. Did you re- read any of that in the in the little bit the legends? And I know he's the one that brought about the rule of two. Uh-huh. Now I don't know if that means like you get all their knowledge and all that or what. Because well, I don't remember. I have to ask my friend. I guess my a- friend John. According to Episode Nine, it basically means you get their essence. I- Yes. And in turn, their masters and their masters before. Well, see, and then you had the kind of the same thing with the the four, with the the light side, because you had the, where they were all talking to her. Yeah. And it it goes, you actually hear Obi-Wan. Okay, let's go back to Force Awakens. When she finds Luke's lightsaber, Mm. you hear Obi-Wan, Ray, these are your first steps. Yep. And then Skywalker, Ray, these are your final steps. Take them. Yeah. Is it, can you reach back and talk to all the Jedi now? Is is that a new thing? I guess if they exist within the flow of the Force, they can always manifest. It would have been, to me, it would have been a little more powerful if the Force ghosts themselves would have shown up. That would have been cool. I mean, you kind of had a... Well, I mean, no. we could You could have totally done Alec Guinness Force ghost yeah. because you could have CGI'd that whole thing. You kind of glow anyway. You wouldn't even have thought nothing. Uh, of it. I don't even give a shit if you make him look like <coughs> you and McGregor. Like, just do it. It's like you know, just get those guys showing up. Hell, Qui Gon showing up would have been nice. Qui Gon. In uh, fact, get Freddie Prince Jr. in there as Kanan. Why not? Like, uh, yeah, he could, he could have the look. I will tell you, I didn't cry mm. when Kanan sacrificed himself. Yeah. But damn it, was that not the most emotional scene in that whole show? That I was, was like. He's going to die. I know. Knowing full well at the start of that series that they were probably both going to die. But when it finally happens, you're just like, oh, not now. You know? Right. You like, really kind of get to grow to love Kanan and Ezra. Yeah. And it brings up another issue I have. And it goes back to something I said earlier. The legacy of Darth Vader. Oh, well, yeah. I was going to mention that. Um, so... What are your thoughts on that? Let me let me see what you think, and well, then I'll, I guess I'll chime in. Episode 9, mm-hmm. if we're following it the way I think it sets it up, is that Anakin was not the chosen one. See, I don't see that, though, because I remember you talking about that before I saw 9. Huh. I remember we had that conversation where you were kind of saying that, and I was trying to remember everything you said when I finally got to see 9. Okay. So... Okay, if it was to be believed when Darth Vader rose up against the Emperor at the end of 6, 
and threw him over. They said that's the moment he completed the prophecy and brought balance to the force. It was supposed to be because Palpatine was dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, he, I see he destroyed the Sith. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So then Palpatine's back. Well, sorry, Chosen One, but you kind of, you know, didn't exactly, like, I guess you fulfilled it for 20 years, maybe, while Palpatine was, I don't know. Comatose in a... Growing. Yeah. Something. And see, and the, the one thing that drove me nuts was they said that the Sith were the ones in the power of cloning. Hmm. Well, what the hell's Kamino? Yeah. Their whole business was cloning. So... Like, Camino, the Camino, the Camino-ins, Camino-ins, that's what they did. They cloned. They made clones. They weren't Sith, and they were actually hired by a Jedi. You know, and there's something else that I got to say I loved about Episode Nine was when they brought Lando back, and Lando was still the coolest dude in the galaxy. See, I love Lando. I love Lando. Like, somehow... In the course of like 20, 30 years, Lando was still the coolest guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can't beat him. I mean, even as Donald Glover as Lando. Right? Donald Glover, like, okay. Like, Donald Glover. Donald Glover is. I would watch him eat a cheeseburger on TV. Donald like, Glover is right on the cusp if he's not already there of like national treasure status. Oh, yeah, pretty much. And. I mean, almost Billy, everything he touches turns gold. And Billy D. Williams is right there, too. Oh, yeah. Because of Lando. See, I remember one of the big things, one of the big gripes, and this was politics, pure and simple, about Solo, was Donald Glover said that Lando was pansexual. Yeah, which... Never really came up in this movie, that he didn't say one thing or another. He he kind of flirted with just about everybody, but that's Lando. He's just the cool dude in the room. And he was definitely in love with his droid. Yeah, there was definitely a love for his droid. That was weird. So, which... Truthfully, though, I mean, I can see it, and to tell you the truth, I, I, I was actually incredibly. Who played intri- that droid? I don't remember. I don't either. I was incredibly intrigued by that because when when I read that before I saw the movie, when he said that, and I'm sitting there thinking, I, you know, the first time I watched him, like I can see it, and I'll I'll be goddamned if Lando, you know, like that Lando can make my pants drop. I'm gonna throw it out, like, <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna throw it out there like Lando's, he's awesome. He's a charmer. It's oh, yeah. exactly he is the suavest dude ever, and it makes sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna I gotta look up who who did. Uh, see, I can't even remember her name. So yeah, the the droid. But so yeah, that like to me, oh, the no ending the ending of nine. Whenever Hayden Christensen's disembodied voice shows up for a little bit and go, Ray, bring balance to the force as I did. I'm like, but you didn't, right? Like, there's but that, see, there's always that struggle. I mean, yeah. you can't have one without the other. Yeah, so the balance would have been actually, if you really think about it, he did bring balance to the force before six. There were two Jedi. Yep, two Sith. And two Sith. See, that's what I always thought it meant. But then when George Lucas was like, no, that's the point when he filled his role was in six. I'm uh-huh. like, I'm like, I'll accept that, but it's because you created it. But seriously, two and two is pretty goddamn equal. Right, that's pretty balanced. I mean, <laughs> you've got two because, and two. Like balance doesn't mean you get rid of one thing. Right, yeah. That's not balanced. That's... That's, you know, that 
ways out. That's something however, weighing out the other way. However, I do also, to me, the Jedi are never pure light side practitioners. They are. They're supposed to be neutral. Well, see, I th- like, uh, I don't know if however, how much lore. their neutrality and morals are what make them lean toward the light. Yeah. Like well, they, they the, you had the light side Jedi, mm-hmm. and then you had the dark side Sith. And I remember, I can't remember what it was that touched on it, but there were the gray Jedi, the gray Force users. Yeah. And it was, there is no light, fact, there is no dark, there is only the Force. Yeah, Revan was actually supposed to be one of those because he could tap into the light and the dark side and even to a certain point developed powers that no Jedi or Sith had ever seen before. Yeah. Even though he still wasn't powerful enough to stop the Sith Emperor. Speaking of, I do want to see, I do want to know what you think of this. What did you think of the, the new-ish powers in 9? They touched on it a little bit in 8 with the, mm. when you find out they have that force link. Yeah. Okay, and then in 9, they battle a couple of times, and that's how Kylo finds out where she's at, is he knocks over, Va- she knocks over Vader's helmet, and it rolls into where he's at on the planet. Yeah. I thought one of the coolest scenes was in the temple as she's fighting... He's coming in, trying to help, taking out his own Knights of Ren. Yeah, which, how good of a commander is he? Like, you guys disappeared for a few years, where the fuck have you been? Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, So he's taking out his Knights of Ren. He's surrounded. Her hand goes behind her back with the lightsaber, and then he's got it. I thought that was one of the coolest things. That was really cool. I thought it was cool. My friend John hated it. He thought it was dumb huh. and blah, 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 blah. But he's one of those, he's still mad that they got rid of the the legend, they changed oh, the well, canon yeah. books to legends. So, and honestly, when they shit all over the legends books, it was him I was laughing at. Yeah. Because <laughs> I knew he was going to get the most worked up about it. Um, See, that, that's another thing I have to get. Like, Star the the sequels also did diversity incredibly well. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just a galaxy full of you know, white people or, you know, it with only one cool, like, guy you know, who is not white. Like, I on. mean, honestly, if you really think about the first trilogy, Lando's the token black guy. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, he's still the coolest guy in the room. Oh, God, yeah. But he's the token black guy. He's the only, pretty much the only one in there. Um, and I know there's some here and there. But, yeah, the, the sequels really did include... Everybody. I mean, Nine had the first same-sex kiss. Uh, they made more of a big deal out of it than what it was because yeah, I wouldn't have even – like, it de- had they not said anything about it and I went in not knowing it was there, I wouldn't have even noticed it. Yeah, that – Because it was just natural. It was, you know, it was the the sailor kissing the girl at the end of World War Two yeah. picture. It was just what that was. Um, but they made a big deal. Oh, it's the first on-screen same-sex kiss in Star Wars history. I mean – it is big for a series like that to get that inclusionary, and you really like it, it's that's about as epic as um, Kirk and Uhura. No, that that's true. That's the first interracial kiss on television, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was. It was the first, and it's fucking epic. Like, and I love what William Shatner said about that. You know, oh yeah. How did you feel? I get to kiss the pretty girl. Cool. Oh yeah, and uh-huh. they they tried to have a non like kiss take, and he kept fucking it up on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that is a great moment in history. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean. 
I do know I had heard rumors that they were going to try to push a Finn Poe relationship. I would have been okay with that. Disney said no. Like, see, Disney acts that quick, so, and I wouldn't have been. I didn't like that. That uh, didn't sit well with me. I thought that was going to feel forced. Oh, I kind of thought it was on track. Um, because I don't know. Because, well, one Finn. Because I, I mean, I remember seeing all those bromance memes going around though. After oh yeah, episode there was seven, totally so. bromance going on. But I mean, it kind of you could have said the same thing about Ray. Oh, that's fair. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. It wouldn't have been. Like, I think the romance wouldn't have been that far out of left field, but there would have been a part of it that would have felt a little rushed. Yeah, it, it kind of... I I was glad they didn't. I was I actually sided with Disney on that. I was like, they don't need a romance in that trilogy, in that trinity. Hmm. They don't need their... Romance doesn't need... And I loved yeah. that they did bring in, and I can't think of her name, but she was played by a Felicity chick. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Carrie Russell. Thank you. Uh, I can't remember her name. But they did kind of bring that in, and she was definitely a love interest for Poe, and that felt organic. Yeah. Like, they, you could feel the chemistry there. Yeah, Zori Bliss, that was her name. Yeah, Zori Bliss. And you don't ever see her face, you just see her eyes, and I actually had to look her up to see who she was. Yeah. You know what the funny thing is, is we mentioned space battles earlier. Uh, even Nine really didn't have a space battle that was worth a shit. I mean, they all the ships show up, and all of a sudden Palpatine's like, no, bitch, it's lightning. And yeah, then, yeah. And they all get disabled, so all the big stuff gets knocked out of commission right off the bat. Right. I don't know. I, I thought it was good because, you know, here we got, we got a hopeless situation. Mm. We're losing badly. And here comes the cavalry. Oh, with yeah. Lando Calrissian riding at the front. Yeah, and um, that's that's the only unfortunate part is that, like, it, I remember in Return of the Jedi, there was nothing that they would knock off on a Star Destroyer to take it down instantly. Mm-hmm. They just used what scrap of a fleet they had left, and Lando making that bold ass choice of being like, "No, we're gonna take the fight to them. You engage the star destroyers point blank." Oh yeah, yeah, like that's gutsy. They didn't have. Well, I mean, he's done it before. Yeah, you know, we'll last longer than we will against that Death Star. Yeah, exactly. Like he didn't have a magical MacGuffin at the Battle of Endor that they had to blow up on the underside. Right. It was no. We gotta just damage these things until they start to go. Yeah. And then... I mean, they were focusing on, uh, was it, Pride? Yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about Admiral Pride was watching him get blast off that bridge. Yep. I hated that man. I couldn't wait to see him get his. Yeah, that guy plays a real good dick. dick. Yeah, he does. He I did. Mean, he played a great Logan, dick. Yeah, everything. So... Was he in Logan? Yeah, he was uh, the he was the scientist dude. Oh yeah, yeah. he was. Um, I can't remember his the name. one that created the basically Logan. I'll call him not Mister Sinister. Right? Yeah, kind of. Um, not Mister Sinister. So, yeah, but destroying the planet killing, tur- uh, the planet killing um, cannon at the bottom of the star destroyer, blowing the entire star destroyer up because of that. Well, yeah, I'm like. It was epic that Palpatine had amassed a fleet that huge. With planet-killing capabilities. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to why I was kind of hoping Rey was a nobody. Because at the end, whenever Lando's ragtag fleet gets there, that's just a bunch of people who want to do right. Right. Rey, at the point that she ended at The Last Jedi thinking she was not Skywalker, she wasn't a Palpatine, she was just nobody except for some junk scrapper on Jakku, turned her into somebody who was purely in it 
just for the sake of being good. It was almost that same idealism that Luke Skywalker had at the end of the at the end of Jedi. Yeah, like or it, it was last like, or, or Return and, of the Jedi. Yeah, like it, it was that same idealism that Luke had, and at that point, she was just. She was in it for the long haul because it was the right thing to do, and she was the only person who had the kind of power that they needed to take on the bigger threat. True. But at the same time, making her a Palpatine, giving her that inner struggle, it still worked. It just kind of lessened the punch. For I don't me. know. See, I didn't. I was kind of surprised that that happened. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't see that coming. But. When the Star Wars movies come out, I don't get on Facebook. Yeah. Period. So I don't want. I had. I had the Force Awakens ruined for me two days before I went to see it, and I was just scrolling through, and somebody had superimposed a Force Ghost Han behind yeah. the rest of the Force Ghosts, and that told me everything I had to know, and I was so mad. When I finally yeah. went and saw it, and I was like, damn it, he is going to die. I, uh, so, I mean, I can remember a lot of people having a problem with Ray being a Palpatine purely based on the fact of who would fuck that guy. And I'm like. But honestly, power, I mean, he was the emperor. Yeah, but at the same time, he didn't always look like that either. Like, if that's honestly what you're basing it off of. Which is really kind of... I mean, yeah. That's pretty flawed in and of itself. I don't know. He was kind of an old man in episode one. Yeah, but, you know... know, He was a pretty smooth-talking guy. True. I mean, he he managed to position himself as Chancellor. Charismatic. Like, people go for that. Oh, yeah. Not to mention Chancellor Palpatine. You know, he was was in charge of the Republic. And his kids that he had murdered. um, Right, his son. Yeah. Looks like they would have been about... I mean, they could have easily been 30s, 40s. Mm-hmm. So it fits. Yeah, it totally fit. I thought it. I thought it fit. Fit timeline um, wise. So that, I think my I dad that was kind of funny. I think my dad knew that was coming because he I, was like, "I yeah." They, I kind of said he read something. I kind of told thought, him not to tell me. Yeah, I <clears throat> I had seen. I, I had a. I knew Ray wasn't going to be a Kenobi or Skywalker. I knew that from episode yeah. seven onward, but. I'm like, I can remember making the joke in eight. I'm like, oh, is she going to be a Palpatine? And then, you know. It turned out, yep. <laughs> fast forward two years later, some off-color joke turns out to be the well, I think way they go. Of the movies, did eight do the worst? Because um, if eight did the worst. Maybe in terms of box like office receipts. Box, that's, what that's what the studios worry about. Um, critically, critically speaking, it's the best one. Is it? Ever. I think. Um, Maybe. Well, I don't know. But I there was know. such a fan backlash, and I think there was such a scramble to try to fix it. Yes. That they did kind of, J.J. Abrams, you know, did jump back on a bandwagon. Because like you said, who was it? Colin? Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow was supposed to do nine. J.J. Abrams went, ah, yeah. I want to fix this. So, yeah, that when Disney fired Colin Trevorrow shortly before 8 came out, I can remember thinking, oh, good move. Like, I agree with that. And it was... See, I don't even know anything else he's done. Jurassic World 1 oh, and 2. really? Yep. Wow. Yep. And he did very well with those. Yeah, I don't think the writing was all that... Like, I kind of think he... 2 on. was a little less memorable. Than I kind of thought he shit on the whole idea behind the original 
Jurassic Park. But See, I like the first Jurassic World. I, you know, I did too as a return to form, but I think they kind of missed part of the message with the fact that Owen was even able to train the raptors. You're right. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that, like, man, I love Owen. man actually being able to command nature that kind of graded on me. It's like, you can't. It definitely goes back biblical, you know. Yeah, I it, dominion over. it goes back. It goes back biblical, but at the same time, the message of the original Jurassic Park was you cannot tame this. Right. Yeah, like, it, it goes against that. But And I think, because I've seen The Lost World, or, so what is it, The Fallen Kingdom? Is that the second one? Yeah, he's a competent director, but I don't think it would have been all that memorable. I mean, even his draft for Episode Nine that people are like, we should have got that movie instead. Maybe, but it, I don't think the execution would have been near yeah. as good as what we got out of it. And I know I, I shat on J.J. a lot in this. <laughs> I do blame him for the beginning of the trilogy and setting up all the mystery boxes that shoehorned the other writers into trying to follow that or going completely against it. There was really no way out of it one way or another. Yeah. J.J. basically set up a vision that made other directors have to try and mimic his vision. Yeah, well, to I can a certain, see that, yeah. To a certain degree. It's not completely that way. I can kind of see that, yeah. So, um, in that case, what we have, I blame him for the beginning. I blame Mickey Mouse and his four fingers, <laughs> you know, with such a stranglehold around the, the neck of that franchise for the rest of it. I really do. And you can't tell me that... Disney doesn't know the value of having a cohesive fucking outline for an entire series from the get-go because they could have just been like, hey, Kevin, what do you guys do whenever you want to set up an entire 10-year worth slate of movies? Right. Yeah. They had that knowledge. They didn't do it because they figured you just slap Star Wars on it, you'll plant asses in the seeds. Well, I mean, it was kind of working for them. Rogue One. Rogue One. Still one of the best standalone, I mean, the best Star Wars movies ever. Yeah, it not was only that, so good. The the ground battle was epic. The space battle was great. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was fucking incredible, actually. Um, you had a villain that you could actually just love. Yeah, uh, I can't remember his name. Is um, <clears throat> you know, I just watched that like two days ago, and I still can't remember his name. I know who played I him, Ben, ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, but uh, I, I hated that guy. Krennic. Krennic. Yes. Thank you. Um, hated Krennic. Then you had Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. In it, who's always amazing. He is, but they wasted him in that movie. They did. They did. Um, he could have done so much better. Um, you had uh, Forrest Whitaker which and his weird droopy eye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> By the way, um, absolutely. It was Diego Luna who was Cassian, right? Is that? Nice? Yes. They're going to do a Cassian series. Yes. And I cannot wait for that. They're going to do a Cassian series. I can't wait for the Obi-Wan series. I can't wait for season two of The Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, which, which is so good, we don't deserve it. I yeah, I know. I absolutely loved Cassian's character. Yeah, and K two S O. Oh God, I loved K two. He is the best droid. Yeah, in all of Star Wars. Alan. I don't care what anybody says. My opinion, K two S O is <laughs> the best droid. And I'm trying to think. Maybe uh, next to Dio. Oh, I actually really liked Riz Ahmed's um, kind of cowardly imperial pilot with a heart of gold kind of thing. Yeah. I really liked his character. And then, um, God, was it Donnie Wen? 
Donnie Yen. Yeah, right? yeah. Yes, and thank you. The, it, I'm one with the force. The force is with one me. With me. Yeah, I loved that guy. He was so great. I love the fact that they kind of impl- like he was somewhat force sensitive. Yeah. And uh, that you don't need a lightsaber to be able to absolutely wreck people. Oh, yeah. He was awesome. Like, yeah, uh, his... I absolutely loved him. Jedi like, or whatever. Which, what was that? Well, Jedi? Yeah, which once, <clears throat> once again, like, the, gr- the, the group they brought together... Very Dirty so, Dozen. Yeah, fits so well. It was very Dirty Dozen. It was very kind of natural. The yeah. way they all came together. And, I, you know, it kind of seemed a little more representative of the galaxy and what the rebellion is. Like, it was people who came from every corner. It's a ragtag group, you know? Yeah. Oh, the Empire screwed you over? Oh, the Empire screwed you over? Oh, the Empire screwed you over? Well, let's get together and take it to them. Oh, yeah. Like, it was purely just... It was funny because Jen Erso wound up saving the rebellion purely on a revenge mission. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And, that was awesome. And Cassian did it because, you know, he was the spy who really wanted to make a difference. Yeah. Um, you kind of get a lot about Cassian throughout that. Because, I mean, he meets with his contact in the very beginning of the movie and yeah. then kills that guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what the best part about him was? Was he didn't have to tell you what he was doing, what his motivations were. It just happened. Yeah, that was great. Um, let's see. What else we got? Uh Oh, I did want to touch on some things that I really loved about Nine. Mm. The hyperspace skips. Yes. That was so awesome. It reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. The human body can only take 50 jumps at a time. We're about to do 700. That's totally what it felt like to me, and I loved every second of it. And then when they get back to the planet, Ray's like, you did what with my ship? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. And that kind of shows Poe's piloting. Yeah. And how great of a pilot he is. He did all those skips. Um, you've never seen that in Star Wars before, mm. where they did the hyperspace skips. Um, and it was awesome because it was like, boom, 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 here's another location. I, I just thought that was amazing. And it kind of called back because like, they were kind of low on some of them planets. It kind of called back to when... Han did it in seven yep. to get onto Starkiller base. Yeah, because he he dropped out of hyperspace in the planet in the atmosphere, which I thought was awesome. That is hilarious. Um, let's see what else. What else was really great about that movie? The Force powers; those were great. Yep. Um, Leia's teaching. I, I really have to call back to that because that was just amazing. Um, to actually kind of know that she was the one teaching. And to use the, the footage that they just didn't use from 8 to keep that going. Um, but the last thing I have to say about about 9 is the final scene. Yeah. When Ray is on Tatooine. I, I can agree with on that. Lars, Owen Lars's farm, burying Luke and Leia's lightsabers. Yeah. Um, that was a great kind of knot, kind of bow, not a knot, yeah. nice little bow. It was a great cap. To end, end. yeah, a cap to end. Because it called basically <clears throat> the end of the prequels of Obi-Wan kind of twirling his mustache, right. um, you know, while he was handing off, uh, oddly enough, to Joel Edgerton, the, that actor who has done tons of movies now, um, 
I just kind of find it funny he was just in a bit part in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it calls back to Obi-Wan giving up Luke, seeing the twin suns rise. Right. You know, and to Luke standing up and watching the twin suns rise, to Luke's ending even in 8, all the way to raise new beginnings. Right. Um, like, she started off, or she ended up at the point that every Skywalker started. Right. Uh, and then the her lightsaber. I have to talk about it. I was waiting to see. I wanted her, because throughout the whole thing, all I could say was, she's not a Jedi until she makes her own damn lightsaber. Yep. She's not a Jedi until she makes her own damn lightsaber. And she keeps having Luke's lightsaber. She loses it. She gets Leia's lightsaber. I don't think she loses that one. But to see her burying those two and having her own, and it's orange, which is another color we haven't seen. Yep. Um. And I, my dad said something about them being a guardian or something like that. And I can't remember oh, what yes. the colors were. That was actually, <clears throat> if I recall correctly, I think it was set up in, well, actually, I can remember some of the initial Star Wars stuff for Episode One had one of the Jedi Council, Plo Koon? Plo Koon? Yeah, Plo Koon. Yeah. I remember him. He's uh, the one with the mask. and the... Yeah, in one of the initial games that featured him in it, he had a yellow lightsaber. Nice. Or maybe it was Coyote Mundi. I can't remember. See, you remember more than Jedi Council's names than I do. Yeah, I I used to have like I remember Yaddle. I I used to have like technical journals and stuff for the oh, ship nice. dimensions and what. Yeah, like I could. Well, I know like my friend John can name every bounty hunter on the Star on the uh, Star Destroyer. Yeah. In order as they appear. Um, the only ones I can remember being in that lineup were Boss Guy G eighty eight and Boba Fett. Fett. Yeah, but he knows all of them. Um, but uh, just to finally see, and it was black. Yep. We hadn't seen an all-black lightsaber yet. Yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of cool, and I th- it kind of looked like she used junk to make it, which kind of called back to her being a junker. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool. Like, it was definitely a cool-looking lightsaber. Um, it almost looked like it could have been a double-sided. Yeah. You didn't see it, but it definitely kind of had that same shape that Darth Maul's had. Yeah, it did. Um, except black. So, I don't know. I was really happy to finally see Ray had her own damn lightsaber. It was nice. <laughs> and then, of course, you had the the woman who shows up right after. It was, uh, oh, yeah. You know, who are you? And then my friend John that called me uh, right after he saw it was bitching about that. She's not a damn Skywalker. I said, no, but she didn't want to be... She denounced her Palpatine heritage. Yeah. And she got permission. Mm. She looked back, and Luke and Leia are standing there, kind of nodding. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah. And she chose Skywalker. She chose who she was. And I was trying to explain that to him. She decided who she was. Oh, yeah. It was really... That That was the end of her character arc. It was the perfect way. It was that she always had to find her own way. And that was, at the end, finally her being able to choose her own path Mm -hmm. for the only people who ever actually really cared about her. Right, which was Luke and Han. I did like, that was something that we kind of missed and I forgot about, actually. Han showing up to talk to Ben. Yeah. Not Kylo, Ben. Yep. And at that moment, basically, I kind of felt like Ben forgave himself. Yeah, I think that was his final... And that was his final turn. Yeah, that was his final kicker, was feeling like he 
he finally was able to accept the fact that even with what he did, his father would have forgiven him. And truthfully, I I was kind of against the Ben Solo redemption arc, mm-hmm. but that scene, thinking about it later, kind of turned me around on it. I'm like, yeah, you passively sat by as billions, possibly trillions of people got murdered. Right. Every planet that they destroyed. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you stepped up and made it right. Like, because Darth Vader, if we want to really face the facts, he didn't really redeem himself all that much. He chose to go back to the light and become one with the Force at the last second, but the atrocities he committed in between... Fourth quarter diversion at the end. Right? Yeah, like... Fourth quarter conversion. Oh, yeah, just exactly, like, right at the last second, just like, I've been on the other team the whole time, bitch. Fourth quarter conversion for the win. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Like, so... With Vader, I felt Vader did redeem himself because that whole four, five, and six... Less so in four. You don't really get any kind of remorse or regret. Yeah. But as five comes in and you get the line, no, I am your father. Which is the line. It's not Luke, I am your father. It is no, I am your father. One Star Wars fan's been fucking up for years. Well, they also say that's the the, uh, Mandela effect. Yeah, well, partly because of Tommy Boy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they say it's the Mandela effect, but I think it's just we've all been misquoting it. Yeah. so you do start to feel a little bit of give there with mm-hmm. his redemption. And then they have that kind of meaningful talk on Endor. And you kind of feel there is conflict there. You get to the battle on the Death the Star Destroyer or the Death Star. You get to that final battle, and there is conflict. He yeah. is hesitating. He's not going full force. No. Um and my dad always joked that you always knew when Vader was serious because when he wasn't, he'd fight with one hand. But when he was serious, he would fight with two. It's true. He fought two with Obi-Wan, didn't he? Yeah. That's a very good point. Anytime he thought he was just, he was just toying with somebody, it was always one-handed. Oh, yeah. But when it was a serious battle, he had both hands on that lightsaber. I'm most, yeah, I, I think when I say that, I'm mostly referring to the... Um, Probably all the atrocities we didn't see him commit. Yeah. Like, you know, that good time span between episode three and episode four. Like, okay, Rogue One, mm. if we go back to that, his straight up slaughter of those oh troops my God. was epic. It was so good. And it, it kind of gave you chills because you're like, oh my God, it's Vader the badass. Yeah, it was the pissed off Vader that we know. Oh yeah, this was this was Vader, no good in him, doesn't know he's got kids. Except I still picture Hayden Christensen's face behind that mask with maybe a lone tear just coming down like oh, an episode three. Fa- I just want to oh, just punch him in the face. Hayden Christensen's so awful. Have you seen anything else he's done? Yeah. Oh, it's usually horrible. There was, uh, there was a few that were... Life as a House was probably was his most passable. Did you ever see Shattered Glass? That one wasn't bad. No. Did it you was, see the one with him and Nicolas Cage? No. Oh, it was awful. Well, I mean, yeah. it was one of the Nicolas Cage, like, I have too many kids and child support movies. Yeah. <laughs> but, or I bought way too many cave bear skulls. And yeah, that. <laughs> I have to sell off my enormous, very valuable comic book collection because I'm getting divorced. 
swear, God, that Nicolas Cage should play a Sith Lord in a Star Wars movie. I would just, I like Nicolas Cage. Good, bad, phone in and in, whatever. I do too. I, I will watch a Nicolas Cage movie. But to see him in a Star Wars movie of any type, he could be the bartender. And I'd be happy that he's in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, we got Nick Nolte as one of those little... Ugnot. Yeah. He's I was going to say er, yeah, Ugnot. Yeah, I have I spoken. I loved that guy, too. Yeah. I can't remember his name. It starts with a J, maybe. I need to watch that again. Yeah. I do too. God, I, do, I really do need to watch that. I, I, I need to watch it with my dad, because my dad hasn't seen it yet. And like I said, my dad and I are kind of Star Wars nuts. Yeah. I got to say, uh, Giancarlo Esposito apparently is going to be written into characters now that have problems with explosives. Like, Breaking Bad, his character, has that, oh shit, that's a bomb moment, right before yeah. he gets blown in half, basically. And then it's almost Is the he same the Mando? Thing. He's um, Moff Gideon. Oh. Oh. Yeah. What a dick. Right? Oh. So he, he got Gus Fring and Moff Gideon. Like, good, good job. But... It, I had that flashback of Breaking Bad whenever See, the I never Mando, watched Breaking Bad. Whenever the Mando straps that bomb onto his TIE fighter and he just goes, No! Like, it's like, tries to like look back real quick. I'm like, Wow, you just Gus Fringed yourself again. Like, so, it was the. I will probably have to do just a whole nother episode on just the Mandalorian. I agree. But that final scene at the end of the Mandalorian season one with the Darksaber. Yes. Oh my God! I fell over. It was about as just a shock, as much of a shock as Episode One when you see what's in the egg thing, and right. it's Baby Yoda. Oh, exactly. And it's just and like <gasps> the dark saber. Um, which, funny enough, my my super nerd friend, Star Wars nerd friend, had to ask me what the hell that was because he doesn't he hasn't watched Clone Wars or Rebels or yeah. any of that. So I had to fill him in, which was weird to me, because I usually call him for Star Wars stuff. I, uh, I, I can't wait to see that. No, oh, I can't either. We I won't get it until this fall. <clears throat> John Favreau, as far as I'm concerned. You talk about magnificent bastards. Yep, I say we'll have our magnificent bastard of the week this week be John Favreau. John Favreau, oh my god. Which uh, even when I say that, utmost respect, you Jackman, love you. Oh yes. Absolutely. Magnificent son of a bitch. Yes. But uh, John Favreau, Magnificent mm. Bastard of the Week. Like, that guy with the Mandalorian creating that, running that, giving everybody the I Star mean, Wars they wanted. almost everything he's directed is just amazing. Actually, he isn't really He just good. decided his first movie, he just decided he wanted to do a Christmas movie. Elf. Yeah. Well, he, uh, well, he did Swingers. and Well, yeah, I forgot about that. That was really good. Yeah, I mean, it was. But Elf. He's just, I want to yeah. do a Christmas movie. I'm going to make Elf. Classic. Yeah, it's kind of funny because Disney has basically turned him into their golden boy. Uh-huh. He did The Lion King. He did The Jungle Book. He did Zathura back in the day. Oh, he did direct Zathura. Yeah, the Jumanji in space, pretty yeah. much. Um, With dead eyes in it. Yeah. And, and um, what's his name from the the Hunger Yeah, I can't games. remember. Hunger, I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I didn't realize he was that in tune with Star Wars. So I was a little hesitant when I heard he was going to be behind it. But then I also heard that uh, Taika Waititi was going to be in it. Yep. And yep. I'm like, you've practically got a Disney triumvirate with these guys. Oh, absolutely. 
Like, I don't know who the third one would be, but, uh, yeah. Not Kevin Smith. I love Kevin Smith. No. He yeah. would fuck up anything Star Wars. And Ryan, Ryan He's Johnson. He's too much of a fanny. Ryan Family. Johnson is still getting his own trilogy. See, and I don't like I it. Think, <laughs> I think if you give him his run, it'll make perfect sense. I know the dude can write. I mean, I've seen Looper. I've seen Knives Out. I have not seen Knives Out, oh and I God. do want to see that. that I movie. didn't realize that was him, though. That was him, yeah. He did <clears> incredible <throat> with it. I haven't seen it. I want to. It's one of those that I really do want to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, he does good stuff. Right. I, I know he can. So, what are we running at? We're, we're yeah, we're about quick. an hour 50. An hour 50? Yeah. Wow, this is a lot longer than our last episode. Yeah, I didn't really look at it until a few minutes ago. Yeah. It was... Uh, and we're getting off track because we've kind of finished what we were meant to talk about. So. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of the consensus, I guess, we came to was I like all nine movies, but... Each of them have their own problems. But I still have my preference for the prequels just because I think it feels the most Star Wars. Except for Empire, which is still the greatest Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. I just mean if you go between the sequels and prequels. I know. Uh, I'm just stating a fact that Empire is the greatest Star Wars movie. Which <laughs> did not, was not well received by people when it came out. Really? Yep. I didn't know that. Of it course, had, I wasn't alive then. It had very much a Last Jedi syndrome of people like, what? And then later on coming around to it. I don't know. It was so, it's still amazing. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I don't see how people couldn't like it, honestly. I mean, it was the first one I ever saw. I'm like, this is badass. I had no idea that it was the middle part of anything. Right. I, yeah. I'm like, I know Luke Skywalker lifted rocks and wore Yoda as a backpack for <laughs> a quarter of the movie. He did. He did. But I loved every second Frank of it. Frank Oz is Yoda. I mean, oh my that God. was amazing. Yoda is actually a puppet. That's amazing. Yeah. Even that. And not only that, a puppet that can convey looks and emotion like nothing you've ever seen before. Right. Very, very articulate yeah. uh, puppet. But, uh well, I mean, uh, you want to wrap it up? We're kind of yeah, I guess so. That was our uh, well, that was our discussion on the pros and cons of the prequels versus the sequels. So yeah, sort that, of. Uh, hopefully, we all gain something out of it. And if you listen to it without hearing our spoilers warning, uh, sorry. We should probably have posted that up top. Yep, it'll it'll probably make it to the description before I post it now. Right. Um, but yeah, that was really it. I mean. Honestly, there's no wrong way to be a Star Wars fan. No, there isn't. Unless you think Disney should have more control. No, absolutely not. Yeah. I, they, they already own everything of my childhood. But, yeah, I know right at this point. But I'm actually willing to uh, say if the House of Mouse does anything to Star Wars that they absolutely have to force their hand on, it better be giving John Favreau more. Yeah, okay. I agree with that. Maybe. Like, at least make him, like, an executive producer on stuff to oh, kind of yeah. guide. Yeah. I don't know. that. Like you said, Magnificent Bastard of the Week. Yeah. Well, that was our episode. Um, if you liked that, like and subscribe to us. Uh, we're on, what, Podbean? Yep. Podbean for right now. We, we're looking to look uh, get into some other distributors. and. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, thanks. That was our, yeah. our time. Yeah, are, say have people listen, especially if, uh, you know, if you have anybody who hates the prequels and wants to punch me in the face for defending them in any way. Oh, <laughs> if you have questions, comments, concerns, feel free to get a hold of us. Um, Eli King on Facebook. Uh, you can Same. look me up. I have Kegger is definitely in there. It's on, <laughs> under my uh, under my nickname. Uh, 
Cody Toothman on his Facebook if he wants people. I probably should have asked if you wanted that out there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, yeah, questions, comments, concerns. Uh, if you thought we did a good job, if you thought we did a bad job, we'll take critiques. Um, this is just episode two, so uh, we're glad anyone's listening at all. Yeah, and I say, if anything, we can look back and consider this our attack of the clones. Right, exactly. Well, uh, thank you, and you guys have a good night.